if we're not enjoying an experience, it's because we've not been intentional enough about it. So if you're not enjoying a meeting, you haven't spent enough time exploring what's possible inside the context that we're in on a regular basis. Let me ask you, is your calendar packed with meetings? Have you caught yourself complaining about how pointless meetings are? Have you stopped for a moment to ask yourself how you are contributing to the ineffectiveness of your meetings? Do you wish there was a way to have meetings that are purposeful, productive, and connecting? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad. This is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. This is a replay of a conversation that Dan, Adrian, and I had in early 2020, and it's still just as relevant today. In this episode, you'll learn how to engage in meetings that can actually create the results you say you want. I can't wait for you to hear the richness that's in this conversation. Let's dive in. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. I'm here with Dan Dakini and Adrian Kaler. How are you, gentlemen? Wonderful. Excellent, thanks. You know, we had a conversation uh, last week, and uh, well, I have to be careful about how these episodes come out, but um, we had a conversation with Courtney, uh, the owner of Smarty Pants Vitamins, and the conversation, we just let the conversation kind of naturally go where, where it went, and it ended up talking about meetings and effective meetings and getting what we want out of meetings and the different personalities that show up to meetings. And how do we corral all that? How do we control all that? Quote unquote control, right? Um, and, uh, and, and get what we want or need out of these meetings. And it was a, it was a really, we had a couple of aha moments, especially for her as she, as we talked about training our people, how to show up in meetings and, um, you know, there is this overall, uh, this very popular opinion about meetings that they're a waste of time. Hmm. And so I titled this episode, Meetings Are a Waste of Time Unless They're Not. Yeah. <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> and, and part of part of Court's, you know, Courtney's excitement about it is that for her, they're not a waste of time. They're a huge opportunity for right. her. You know, and that's, and therefore, even when we were, it's rare, it's rare that it happens when we have a guest on, we're usually asking them questions. She was so excited. The conversation about a meeting was like a playground for her. It's like, oh, how, what else could we do? What else could we do? How would this work? What do you guys do here? And she was just so engaged because she's chosen to believe and then chosen to create meetings that matter. Right. Meetings that matter, that's a name. That's a great name. Yeah, and it's, it's that, you're exactly right, Adrian. She sees the potential in it and they can be potentially powerful. But, uh, but like I mentioned, we have all of these different personalities that show up. We have all these different agendas that come to the table. We, and anyway, that's what we're going to dive into today, and I'm excited about it. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, well, we don't have to cover it all, but I'd like to cover it all. Um, basically, I would like to cover pre-meeting meeting and then post meeting. You know, I think we, a lot of us think that the work for a meeting starts when the meeting starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that might be one of the places that our meetings are suffering. Yeah. Um, and so uh, let's try, let's just dive right in right from the, the beginning, the setup. How do we set up a, a meeting? Well, first off, before we talk about setting up a meeting, how do we determine if a meeting is necessary? Well, you know, we just were going to have a meeting this week and we decided to call it off just because we really had nothing to meet about because things have been so slow and we're still moving on what we agenda, what we talked about last week. But I think the first thing is to ask yourself is, what is the purpose of the meeting? Yeah. Right? Like, why am I having this meeting? Because a lot of times what I think I need a meeting for could be handled with an email or it could be handled with a call, you know, and, and, what, and whatever that is, whatever that purpose is, who are the ones that are going to be responsible for having that happen? And that tells me who to invite to the meeting. Right. And what the outcome, what is the outcome I want? Right. So those are, those are simple pre, like, let's just stop and think, do I need a meeting for this? Right. Cause I think that a lot of times people get called into meetings that they really had 
they have nothing to do with. They're not part of the dependencies that are being planned. They're not part of the, you know, of the purpose, or at least not directly. And and they feel like their time's being wasted when, you know, what could happen is if the people who are responsible for having that purpose turn out meet, and then if they need to have meetings outside of that, they can go do that and, and, and work appropriately. So I think the principle is, why am I having this meeting and who needs to be here, right? Yeah. Well, and I would add to that, I mean, I'm thinking about how lots of meetings are uh, set up like on a routine. Mm-hmm. And so I think because they're set up on a routine, we just let the meeting happen, right? Like it's going to happen. And even even because I think naturally, at least when I like what's the purpose of the meeting really naturally occurs if I'm calling a new meeting. Like I need to pull together to talk about this specific project or there's a challenge that we're facing or something's happened. We need to pull a meeting together. I think the purpose is usually really clear um, and and, um, evident, naturally evident when it's we're calling a new meeting. But even just to the point here around if we have like scheduled meetings that are happening on a routine, we still need to ask ourselves why this meeting is has been called. It was called five months ago when I put this recurring thing in my calendar, you know, but I need to recall the meeting. In order to recall the meeting in my own mind, I need to ask myself, especially if I'm the executive, why am I asking my people to sacrifice what they're doing to be here? Is there anything worth pulling them away to be here? And if yeah. they no, then you might want to cancel the meeting. Yeah. And I think something that most leaders recognize but don't know what to do with is how expensive meetings can be. Yeah, she mentioned that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, depending on the body that you pull together for this meeting, this thing can be very expensive. Yeah. So I was just hearing, I'm not going to be able to pull the specific, but somebody was just talking about how in their career, they finally got called into the big meeting. I forget where I heard this, or they finally got called into the big meeting. And the big meeting was this meeting with all the board and all the top brass and all the whatever. And it was known to be the $50,000 meeting. Something like that. It was like, that's what it is. We're asking all these people to come in for one hour and together when we calculate everybody's salary over per hour ish, it's a $50,000 hour. And it yeah. was like everybody at the table and there was a second row behind. It was just this interesting thing. And it was an honor to get to go there. Um, but that's good to think about it like that because like I, it is an investment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we determine if the, the meeting's necessary, we determined we need to have a meeting and we start to think about who should be in the meeting, dependent on, and, and Dan, what you, when you were talking, the thing that kept coming up for me as a principle around this is intention. Yeah. What is our intention? What are we committed to create in the meeting? And that is going to naturally show you who needs to be there, mm-hmm. right? And, and being very clear on that intention, even if it is a reoccurring meeting. So um, how do we communicate to our teams about meetings ahead of time, like before the meetings, in order to uh, come to the to the conclusion that we want to come to at the end of the meeting. So we're starting to do the preparation work. And one of the things is, is you're going to invite people to a meeting. How do you invite people to this conversation in an effective way so that the meeting can do the job that it's meant to do? Well, again, I keep thinking, let them know what the purpose is. How you know what their what what their part might be in the meeting? Um, like we want you to be there because boom boom boom. Uh, please be prepared. Be there. Like another principle I'm I've been practicing in our meetings is be here, prepared. Be prepared to be here and nowhere else. Because my tendency is to wander. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be here and be nowhere else, and I'm going to be prepared to be here and nowhere else. So if I'm coming to the meeting. What's my purpose? Like, what what am I going to contribute to this meeting? Each individual has got to get. It's kind of a that's a cultural mindset that be prepared to get in and make a difference. And I must be called to this meeting for a reason. What is my reason for coming to this meeting? Or what is how do I fit into this purpose? And what do I need to know? And what can I contribute to toward this end? Right. Yeah. A lot of times, I don't think people even know why the meeting's being called. That's one of the big. So letting people know why the meeting's called. And then, you know, that they're involved because they're part of, they're, they're going to be influ- They're going to be an influencer and they're going to be impacted by what's being discussed and what gets decided in that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, 
there's, there's so many so many aspects we could explore here. And one of the things that you just said that people might have missed is, you know, usually the person that's calling the meeting is thinking about purpose, um, but also contextually. And when just so for people that know what we're talking about contextually is like what's what's happening in the mind of the participants as well, right? Yeah. That's the context. Um, so to actually pre preordained to pre pre program with your team about how to show up to a meeting because you know what you just said was really profound and most people i think probably don't do that is to actually no matter where you are if you're just a participant in the meeting you also need to decide why you're there yeah like mm -hmm. why did i call this meeting right? yeah right. even though you know adrian you might have called the meeting but since you have purpose for me be there why, why did i call this meeting what do i want to have happen because i think a lot of the tendency is to be called to the meeting and think that now, well, Adrian called the meeting, so he's going to conduct and he's going to do what needs to be done versus, gosh, he called and I wonder what I, I can contribute to this given what the outcome is. If I don't know what the outcome is, I can always ask, like, yeah. what are you, what's the purpose of this meeting? Sure. Yeah. Why do you want me there? And from a leadership communication standpoint, I see, I, I, I've had people, uh, talk to me this way about meetings. I've talked to my people about this meeting this way about meetings. And it's, and it seems to be fruitful is, Hey, we're having this meeting about blank. And I see it as essential for you to be there because I, because of this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they now have a purpose in this meeting that the, their presence is essential and they know what they need to come prepared to talk about or explore. And um, the results for me is I've led teams, like especially when I led team a team in a marketing company, I led a team of about seven or eight. And this was always the the case is I would say, hey, I, I, I want you in this meeting. It's essential that you're here to bring this topic and to bring this angle of our team. Yeah. And then they come and they're they're excited to represent the angle that there's they're expected to be an expert in. Yeah. And ready to listen for what they're going to need to get their job done, right? Both and. That's right. That's right. And a lot of times questions would follow up that invitation like, oh, okay, what should I have prepared? What do we need to talk about? Like, like you know, what do I need to be prepared to talk about? That sort of stuff. Because they're going to, they know that they're going to be an essential part of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's worth wondering, or even, even as you're in a meeting watching, who's, who's participating and who's spectating? Yes. Yeah. And it's really interesting. I mean, even doing these podcasts, you handle that very well. Give us a purpose. You give us an outline. We think about it. We come to the meeting prepared, right? You do that with our guests, right? So it's just, it's, it's directing. It's intentional. I mean, the whole thing is intentional on every side, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts of the public trainings that we do the rev that you do dan and adrian the revenant is the very first kind of exercise that everybody goes through is agreements yeah. and uh and and i think what that has done for me to witness that time and time again is uh to show that like whenever we're going to have a meaningful time together there must be a set of agreements that everybody is clear on so my question is, or at least to just kind of throw this out there, how do we start to develop the agreements for our meetings and then make and then com clearly communicate them to the people who are involved? Mm -hmm. How to do that or what are they? like? What, I just what want to talk about it. Like, what is that process for you in The Revenant and how might it apply to those who are coaching and facilitating within their companies? In the Revenant, I have very specific, there's a few standard things. One, I want to tee up and open up and discuss in this next four days the willingness to master the courage to interrogate reality. Like, be willing to see what's here. Reality meaning, and I use that in quotes, I think I'm with um, some philosopher, I can't remember, he said, whenever you use the word reality, you should use quotes because Everybody has a different reality. So part of current reality is what's going on in the physical world, but it's also what's going on in each of our minds, emotionally, thoughtful, thought process, et cetera. So be ready to have the courage to interrogate, to investigate, to inquire into what is what are the components of reality that are occurring at this moment. 
The second yeah. thing is, is, and then the authenticity, be willing to come out, if you will, from behind your act, your role or whatever you're doing to have a real conversation about what you think and what your opinions are. Be transparent, I guess that would be, about what your opinions are, about what your thoughts are, about whatever we're talking about. Yeah. And, and then show up, right? Be here, prepared to be nowhere else. Show up right in this moment and and then give yourself completely to that moment. And and then the other thing I do is be willing to have the conversations you say you don't want. Like be willing to have the, the ones that you, you may be really resisting, go there first. Be willing to go there and have those discussions. Now, if they're off purpose in a meeting, like if we're having to talk about a meeting consciousness, then that's good to have. And if it looks like it needs other talk, then you can take that offline and we can stay on purpose with this group. And then we know, okay, there's a dependency that needs to be handled, who needs to be in that meeting afterwards or in a time that works, and they can reset that up offline so we can stay on purpose in this meeting, right? Yeah, so, one, of, one of the things that you mentioned in our conversation with Courtney was what kind of culture around meetings are you creating? Yeah. And is it a culture where <laughs> if you as a leader, as both by title and and by respect and all of that sort of stuff are leading this meeting and you're not prepared. Do you have a culture at this moment that people can call that out and say, hey, it doesn't look like we're prepared to have this meeting. It doesn't look like you're prepared to have this meeting. Maybe we should postpone. Maybe we should, you know, explore why the, the preparation hasn't been done. Whatever. It's it's having the conversation about the conversation, yeah. having a conversation about the people that are in the meeting. And, yeah. and how we're interacting with each other. And I think we get so goal-oriented. We get so focused on this thing that is going to make the meeting a success that we we miss the people in the meeting. Yeah. You know, I, Adrian had it too. Just earlier, he said, what is the context, right? And if it's so easy to become dogmatic about an, a recurring meeting. Like, this is what we do. And versus... Like I've been thinking about our, our weekly meetings too and having switch off leadership. Who'd like maybe somebody else could lead it and have, you know, and, and move it around and drive it because they, what they're doing is more relevant and needs the team's attention. Like there, there are different ways to do this, but, but I know to me, the dogma is what gets, I get concerned about because then we, we tend to get so narrow minded and we stop thinking or opening up to other possibilities. So being clear about why this meeting, even though it was called, Week, it's weekly. Is, is it necessary now? And if so, for what? And who should be leading that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing about, I mean, uh, uh, the idea of agreements uh, is usually lost on, I mean, uh, let me just say this way. You know, whenever I start uh, a coaching uh, contract with somebody, we spend intentional time in the first call we have uh, exploring the agreements. And, and agreements are just what I expect of them. And then that's usually the, the contact. At the end, it's what they can expect of me too. And I cover things and I tell them, hey, I'm gonna cover these things that seem really elementary and you're probably gonna be annoyed. And it's gonna be purposeful later, All right? So we explore things like be on time. I ask them, request for them to be on time to the coaching call, which seems like, oh, I'm an adult. Why would you ask me to be on time? Well, because most people aren't. <laughs> You know, they're not on time. And that's 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 not a moral question. It's just something that is. And there's prices to be paid. Or if, what does on time mean? What does on time mean? And we I ask, like, what does it mean to be on time? And they usually kind of roll their eyes a little bit. What do you mean? What does it mean to be on time? Well, let's talk about what I'm expecting, what you're expecting. Um, and then, you know, go through and one of the big. They're aligned, right? Yeah, they're yeah. on. Yeah. So on time, you know, if I'm going to coach you, if we're going to have a coaching call from two to three, you're on the call between two and two one. That's what's on time is. And are you cool with that? Are you up for being on time? The answer is yes. And and then, you know, one of the bigger conversations that we have is around full participation. You know, they I ask them to commit to participate fully and we explore what that means for them, because like it's even like the idea of reality and quotes participating fully is in quotes. And so we explore and by and most, most, almost all. But definitely most people that I'm talking to have not asked themselves the question, what does it mean to me for me to participate fully? Mm -hmm. And then I always ask, what's your favorite way to avoid? And they usually haven't asked themselves that either. And so we explore what does it mean to avoid? But these are like 
very subtle, small epiphanies for them. It's like, oh, hold on. Yes, a lot of my reality is me avoiding. It's like me not saying something I know I ought to say or me over to oversharing, you know? It's usually doubling down on what their natural tendency is. So if they're a talker, sometimes over talking is a way to avoid. If they're a quiet person, sometimes hiding hiding back is a way to is a way to avoid. And to participate fully is usually the antithesis of what's natural to them because it takes some more risk, right? So if you're a, a talker or a broadcaster, asking a question might be fully participating. Or if you're a listener and a reflector and usually get out of being engaged that way, because yeah. I'm a quote unquote introvert. No, no. Speak what's there. I mean, that's really clever because you, I mean, basically that's the opening of the training. You have the ground yeah. rules, you talk about the ground rules, talk about how to create value, participate, What? how do you avoid, and then, you know, you, you're starting to ground people into a context that you're, you have, and you're, and you're aligning under the understanding, the interpretations of what this relationship means and how yeah. to create value in it. Yeah. Well, and, and the point I want to make here for listeners is, you know, usually if we're not and if we're not enjoying an experience, it's because we've not been intentional enough about it. So if you're not enjoying a meeting, you haven't spent enough time exploring what's possible inside the context that we're in on a regular basis, because, you know, it came up. It came up with Courtney in particular whenever we were shifting as a culture into the more remote, remote um, setting uh, with the COVID stuff that was happening. Um for her, like for her, there's a lot of magic, quote unquote, in being in the same room together. And she was concerned, naturally concerned that being she was kind of like in a question, but more like concern that would being remote actually take away the magic. And I said, well, have you grounded them in how to show up on Zoom calls? And, you know, she hadn't she hadn't then thought about being and she's brilliant, but she hadn't then thought about, hold on, I could put, take a pause and make sure everybody knows how to how to get the most out of a Zoom call. Most people say, oh, circumstance is key instead of context. So because the circumstance is is not ideal, therefore, the experience will not be ideal. Like that's the one to one ratio. So I and you know, we get what our circumstances hand us instead of saying, hold on, what's the, the way for us to capitalize? How might actually a remote meeting be better than in person? That, that's what we explored on the coaching call. How might there be more available now? You know, and that's just an antithesis of where the first thought was, which is it's going to go down instead of how could it be better? And then that created a lot of conversation for them. And, you know, she's been able to manage it really well. Um, and so my, my point is, is, you know, for a leader to stop and to really coach or cultivate the context of what people are believing when they show up, if they're not showing up to fully participate, if you haven't had that intentional conversation, I guarantee it's not happening. Yeah. So it's a simple thing. The, the question itself Hey, when we meet together, how are we going to be with each other? What do we expect of each other? That question will do all the heavy lifting. It will reveal where people are. People's complaints will come to the surface. Their resistance will come to the surface. All these issues will come to the surface. But if you're not, if you don't have any agreements about how to show up, uh, all you've got, uh, what you have typically in the back end is unspoken complaints. Yeah, and, and the, well, there's nothing to reground to. There's nothing right. to give you up to. It becomes a, 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 a subjective mess. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Dan, I, Adrian, as you're talking, I'm thinking just about the change imperative and the the tool that that book is that Dan wrote. Um, uh, it's worth mentioning again here because we're talking, you bring up COVID, Adrian, and, and many people's, almost everybody's meetings are looking very different this week than they did five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And that's a change. That's a that's an inevitable change. And you're going to have the same characters at play with that change as, as any other change that you're making within your organization. Yeah. What's up, Dan? You guys, 20% are going to be all out. 50% are going to be on the fence and 30% are going to be naysayers. They're going to be the levelers. They're going to, this isn't going to work. This can't work is a mess. And, yep. you, just, and you know, you just got to, that's where Adrian's idea of, or just his, the way he commented on putting those ground rules in can begin to flush the conversations up in a way that people can be persuaded through engagement, right? Because they're, it's a negotiation. You're negotiating. You're looking to persuade or influence them into a new structure. And, you, and the only way to do that is to hear their concerns and then be concerned about their concerns and align them with the purpose, you know, open up the possibility for how they align with the purpose. Yeah. So you might, you know, it might even be worth having an orientation meeting before, you know, or in the middle of it, if meetings aren't working, let's sit down and talk about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what kinds of 
rules, or if you will, ground rules will support that focus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what just hit me, um, you know, the, the purpose is key. And then what we're talking about here is really presence. Yeah. Right. Like how people are going to show up to the meeting, which if there is an intentional way to do that, uh, and then there's, if, and then there's everything else. <laughs> so, and most people don't want to be bothered period. We all want life to be the way we want it naturally. Um, and we're going to like make up whether it's worth it or not. You know, I was I was just commenting. I was just grabbing a cup of coffee uh, right before this and was was uh, was was watching Ali's son, who's almost 13 on the Zoom meeting downstairs. And he had his head down on the table like this while the Zoom meeting's happening. Right. And and I, I just commented to him. I said, you're the epitome of engaged over there. He said, what? I'm like, oh, 13 year old doesn't know what epitome means. Oh, you're like really engaged. He's like, yeah, I'm really tired. And I said, do you know that your body, that, that your mind follows your body? Said, what? I'm like, well, like, if I'm about to walk into a meeting that I don't want to be in or that I'm intimidated by, I do push-ups just to get my body woken up to what, to, I mean, to get my head aligned with, you know, it's, I just tell myself how to be engaged. Yeah, to come to the surface, right? To the surface, that's, that's, right. Clear, right? Yeah. that's right. Yeah. My point yeah. being is like, if, if people aren't choosing to be present, then you're not, then you're giving up resource in the meeting. If you're an executive and listening to this, if you haven't, if you haven't engineered with your team about how to have the most effective meeting, you're wasting money. Yeah. No, kidding. if you haven't even had that conversation, yeah. because it's going to leak out, it is it's still the, the purpose will leak. You know, people bring their, like I take my phone, I put it on charge. I turn it off. I, you know, here I am, because I, I, I know how easy it is for me to be distracted. Pretty soon I'm looking at my phone or I'm looking at something else and yeah. I get distracted easy. So I've got to stay focused because if I don't get it done here, now I've created more work for myself. And now, you know, now I'm adding to my workload and I'm going to complain about how tired I am. That's right. Well, I think it's interesting to think about the things that we have decided we need to train people on and the things that we decided they shouldn't need any training on. They should know. They should. They should, they should know. It's like each one of us were born with an innate, uh, this natural ability to show up in meetings <laughs> the yeah. way that the team wants it to happen, right? Or the, the way that's going to be best for the team. And that's just not the truth. I was mentioning it before we hit record is that we often as leaders don't think that talking with our team and training our team how to show up in a meeting might be one of the most valuable trainings that we could offer at our place of business at our for our teams and for our people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Vince Lombardi, uh, Paul Horning played for this guy, Vince Lombardi, right? The Green Bay Packers. And he writes in his book that Lombardi was such a coach that he didn't just coach football, he coached life, right? And that he, he remember, he, he counts the story that he comes to a meeting. He, they're, they're getting ready. They meet before they go to the game, they get on the plane or the buses or whatever they're taking, they go. And you know, they're going to leave at a certain time and he shows up on time and everybody's gone. So he has to rent a helicopter to get to the game and he gets to the game he, and Lombardi holds him out. And he says, well, I was there on time. He goes on time to my meetings is 15 minutes early. I'm like, love it. Right. <laughs> he, he, from that day on, right. He got it, mm -hmm. but you know, he didn't know that was operating. So, you know, there's gotta be a way to, you know, Lombardi was great at communicating context and, and his whole thing with, with Horning was you're a star, but the team is bigger than you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Purpose is bigger than just your agenda. We want your agenda, but 15 minutes early, that's when we start. Right. So. Well, let's yeah. jump into the meeting uh, as, as um, I just want to point out, we've, we've spent now the first half of this entire podcast talking about the preparation and I think that, to me, is um, a great representation of where the success of the meeting lies, is that I think a good portion, if not most, the, most of the success of the meeting lies on the preparation that we've done right. with our people, with our material, with the ideas that we're going to present. And, um, and it lies on the entire team that, 
the preparation. So it's not just the person leading the team. It's the people who are expected to come ready to, to give their piece as well. Um, so as we jump in, um, what worked, what didn't work, what's wanted and needed. Um, go ahead, Dan. Well, that was, that's different than, um, giving credit where the credit's due, finding out what's broken down. Uh, why? It's different because rather than the idea is to signify what's working so people can learn from it. Yeah. And then to identify what's not working so people, we can explore what's not working. And then what's want from there, you, if you really, if I really explore what's not working well, what's wanted and needed starts to show up. Yeah. And so a very thorough investigation helps that process. And that takes some, that takes some diligence because there's a tendency to want to make the meeting about me or about the other people versus yeah. about the purpose and, and what the outcome is. Yeah. So, so that's, and that's, that's easy. That, that happens easily because people want to know they're doing well. They want to know they're in, you know, the more I can de-signify the personalities in a sense, in an honorable way that they're committed to something larger. Now, if something's not working for an individual, I want to hear that for them personally. And I, and I may take that offline so I can see how to align, get aligned their concerns with the concern of the organization. Right. And so in those meetings, those are the things that come up, you know, in, when I'm starting to look at what's working, what's not working, what's wanted and needed, a number of conversations will come up. Some of them we can handle there. Other ones we may need to take offline and get aligned. So I love this. I love that you, so I had there, I had on the, our, the outline for our podcast originally wins and recognition and you changed it to uh, what worked, what didn't work, what's wanted and needed. And I'm interested. I love what you just said because it keeps us purpose aligned yeah. rather than individually recognized, aligned, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, can you just help me understand the thinking between uh, maybe spell out what's the difference between opening it up for a conversation about what, what's working, what's not working, what's wanted needed, uh, opposed to, hey, look at Tom. He did this amazing thing. Let's all clap and, yeah. you know, and move on. What's the. Well, what you know, I'm. <laughs> This is a long conversation. So um, <laughs> I have found in my experience, both with myself and other people, that when I when we talk about what works, we're celebrating the wins, the wins that that we're all part of, and uh, acknowledging what pieces worked and what didn't, which would acknowledge the people that were involved. Mm -hmm. Versus uh, turning to somebody and making making a big deal about what this person did because now I'm going to start creating competition on the team. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want competition because competition. And I know, listen, I know all the, I've read a lot of stuff and around competition and so on. It's not a good idea because what happens when people start to compete on a team is they start to compete with each other. They start to withhold information that might be necessary for the team to win because they want to be acknowledged because they want to beat somebody else or they want to elevate themselves. It starts the whole political thing. So the more I can keep it on what worked in regard to the purpose. And then as they illuminate that the people who loom, they're going to get automatically see the difference that they made. But if I make it too much about the personality, that it starts, it's very easy to slip into politi politics and yeah. competitiveness and like that. And that usually ends up, uh, it, it people wonder how come we've got such a political team or uh, end fighting or, you know, people don't talk in the meeting, they, they hold back and talk outside. And so we start to lose the transparency and the openness. Yeah. The, the, the bumper sticker that hits my head is like, the ego is a taker. Right. So in a meeting, you might be if it's ego, if it's an egocentric mm -hmm. conversation, like like personality centric and what they did and how they ought, everybody ought to get a pat on the back. Not that we all don't want that. Of course, I want recognition. I want to be appreciated. That's all great. But what I what I what what I don't need is to think that a couple of things come to mind. One is I, I, what I don't need is to think that that all of a sudden now this, this is the other danger is like. If it was me that did it, now I'm going to spend time protecting that me. This might be a little philosophical, but now I'm going to spend time protecting my streak, right? And I'm a very competitive person by nature. I, everything's a game for me. Yeah. Um, but I, but if I but now it's a, now now my ego's in charge. And now I'm now I'm this guy, 
or I'm the favorite or whatever. And now I got to protect that. I'm less apt to be honest when things aren't working. So I think you can like set people up to like um, want or be living for the recognition, which is natural, but it's just not as purposeful and not and not as generous as I'm here for it, for the for the vision, for the team. I'm here for you. So it's either you go, you know, you might if you make the juxtaposition like the ego is a taker, like the servant leadership. I'm here for something else, for expression of myself. For the purpose, that's a giving posture. So I think that's why that's where it lands for me. If like if you set up the recognition for the person versus what the person produced. Yeah, and the the idea that if I'm really committed to this, like what we're doing, I'm excited if we're winning. Yeah, right? I'm excited. And but if I'm lined out here because I want to look significant, yeah, then I'm going to have a hard time if I don't. If I'm not signified and we win, I'm just going to be like this underground, undergraded resistance. Like maybe I'm not as good as the rest, et cetera. So part of what I'm after is realigning, make sure people's concerns are lined up with the purpose. So when the purpose is served, they're excited when they see the wing because their concerns are going to be part served in the team winning. And I think where when you know when I've in the past, because I've done, I mean, you know, these are this is from experience. And mm-hmm. if I don't have the purpose clear enough then, and how people are tied to it, then I'm going to go over here and, and acknowledge them, make sure they're okay, because they don't connect to the purpose, even though we won, right? They may feel left out. But yeah. if we, you know, so if we've got everybody connected into the purpose, and, and that's an ideal, but it, it, it really does work. I want to move towards that direction rather yeah. than unwittingly undermine my team with highly competitive situations. And I've, I've done that. And it, didn't uh, it's a it's a quagmire i think it looks like a shortcut to a lot of leaders right like if we can stroke their ego if you want to see this play out just beautifully everything you guys are talking about and it's like a huge aha for me because i've had to not had to i've gotten the opportunity to work with a lot of sales teams yeah and this is like the perfect petri dish for to to display this this principle is everything, all of the sales teams that I have been close to use this ego move to try to like stroke the ego to get more performance out of them. Um, And sometimes the performance happens, but it also is a giant separate, like it separates the team and it's, I've got to keep my, I've got to keep my throne at all cost. Yeah, and communication goes down, stealing yeah. potential clients goes up. Like it's just like this secretive backstabbing uh, setup. We can get there pretty quickly. I there's a great book out. Uh, I felt that described this really hit it on the nail. It's called The Courage to Be Happy, mm-hmm. and it's written by uh, the same guy who wrote The Courage to Be Disliked. But it goes into great depth about this very issue and how mm. it can help families, organizations, just the, keeping the focus on what we've talked about here, what worked, what didn't work, what's wanted and needed. Yeah. You know, and, and then like, so something comes up and it doesn't work. We talk about it. And the next thing is, so it's like, so what? This is what didn't work. Let's look at it. Let's learn. Now what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we don't need to defend it. Nobody's wrong. Yeah. Now this is where we're at. Now what? What do we do now from here? Yeah. You know, something when, and when, I mean, Eileen, uh, who's a VP of coaching for us at, uh, at TNG and my first, uh, coaching engagement with her, she was my coach. And one of the thing, one of the phrases that she taught me that has stayed very present for me, um, is, you know, hard on the problem, soft on the person. Yeah. And that's part of the, I think the opportunity of when we talk about what didn't work versus who didn't work. <laughs> yeah. You know, what didn't work. It doesn't, it's not, a, it's like, it's, you're still partnered with that person, but you're going to talk about the results that aren't working. And that's actually a gift to them. Yeah. So the, yeah, it's killer because now you, because look, if I give you credit, then I can shame you when it doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I blame, shame, credit, right? I blame myself. I shame you or I give you credit or I take credit. It creates that competitive pole- polemic rather than, okay, good. What were we committed to? What worked? And, and we acknowledge what worked, which includes the people that had it work. What didn't work? 
and then people can take ownership together. And then yeah. now what's wanted and needed because everybody's in it together. We win if we go over the goal line. And that's probably the biggest miss is when the, the larger picture isn't clear, yeah. then you've got all kinds of, you know, you've got all kinds of different agendas and contention. Yeah. I'm thinking about, and I think one of the specific things that happens that's mysterious to people is what it, 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 I think about judgments, right? So I'm thinking about an old client of mine and there was a person on the senior leadership team that everybody had a lot of judgments of, and they would, uh, they wouldn't talk about what she, what she was botching up because of the personalities, mm-hmm. because you know, she was having a hard time and they weren't talking about that either. But instead, they could have talked about what wasn't working for her. Like, and then it could, then it's, then, you know, it, I think probably why people leave it in personalities because I'd rather not talk about it. And everybody loves to believe they're not good at conflict. So they get to, you know, avoid the conflict instead of saying, hey, let me actually partner with this person by, by helping them. Because by the way, if, if they've got a, if they've got chronic mistakes that are happening, it's them. Right. It's, it's how they're looking at it, how they're approaching it, what they're avoiding, what they're stuck with, all these kinds of things. It, it would do them a favor to be able to separate the performance from the person. And let's talk about what's happening out there. And you could talk about what's happening out there without it being personal. It's going to be hard for them, probably. But you can invite them into the conversation about what's not working. And then how can we support you to make it work? Yeah. And they get it's not personal by your tone. Most. Yeah. Time. Yes. It's like. Okay, let's just let's look at this. All right, and, and your tone though it's got to be neutral. It's got to be caring for them. Yeah. They got to get that you're authentically trying to learn what's you're concerned about. What's they're concerned about, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. So let's let's move on. I have Adrian. You mentioned the characters that are showing up um, in this, and I I listed in our outline. I listed a bunch of characters because we're not going to be able to go into detail in each of them. But you know, as we think about, we can all put ourselves in that boardroom or in that meeting, and we can look around the table in our minds. And I, at least, I can see every type of character kind of playing out in real time, and it's fascinating to watch in real time. But it's also very interesting how, as you're leading a a meeting or a team and you have all of these different types of characters that are showing up. How do we, um, and this is part of the beautiful, uh, part of the conversation we had with Courtney is like, how do we, um, invite each of those characters to step into something that would be effective, something that would be, uh, for the for the objective and the vision rather than their own agenda. So as you think about it, I can see that the um, the time waster, right? The person who just wants to hear their own voice the entire time, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever they're saying. The the comments don't aren't always pertinent. Uh, they're not helpful. Uh, sometimes they're they're tangent driven or rabbit holes. That sort of seems. So we have time waster, uh, the tangent person, the cynic. Um, who's just there to, to combat everything that that's said. Uh, we have the checked out, which you were talking about, Adrian, like that the body language is not there. They're there. Well, it's there, but it's, it's giving the message of like, Hey, you know, screw you guys. I don't need to yeah. be here. This is stupid. This is wasting my time. We have all of these characters that are showing up and um, uh, you know, to, a lot of the leaders that I've worked with and coached have said, well, what am I supposed to do? Like take time with each one of them and ask them what's going on. And well, that would take so much time. We would never get anything done. That's well, <laughs> forget that then if you already know that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I mean, an interesting knowing. You're talking about resistance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, Ed had asked that question I thought was insightful about resistance, but those are all signs of resistance, including what am I supposed to do? Talk to each with each one of them. That'll take forever, right? Those are all forms. People are resisting what wants to occur, right? Mm-hmm. So there's got to, I mean, if, if I've got a meeting with, let's say they all show up like that, well, then the meeting needs to, whatever the purpose of the meeting is not going to be served and, until the resistance gets detonated. Yeah. Yeah. Right. People come to the to the meeting. They, they they haven't come to the meeting yet. The meeting is actually a waste of time until we know where people are at and they understand what's expected to come to a meeting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and 
just to add some clarity, like when you say detonated, it's a really powerful idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what that could mean is it, as a leader, you probably know if you're a listener, when you've brought something up and the room gets quiet, people don't like quiet, right? So then what happens, right? The person that is the, the, usually the talker will then fill the gap yeah, uh, and then or the leader will like be uncomfortable in the silence and then take the conversation, maybe spout some vision or something. Um, but the detonating that I want to put a pin on the detonation idea is like it's usually having what we'll sometimes say is a conversation about the conversation. Like whenever we bring something up and it gets quiet, the next move is to talk about the quiet. Right. Because the relationship to the thing just appeared. Right. Yeah. People got quiet. Like we the conversation people don't want to have. That's right. And that, it's interesting in that when you ask it to come out, then that's where the learning comes in. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where leaders go, well, I don't have time for that. But the point is, it, if you don't do it there, you're going to do it later with penalties and interest. It's coming back. It yeah. starts like that. It keeps coming back till it's had. Some, and and maybe, maybe it needs to be had in the meeting. Maybe it needs to be had on the side, depending on context. I think that's a, a call, right? That, that as you, it, will it contribute to the meeting? If I got a bunch of people who are resisting, then the meeting is going to be about first, let's get here. What's the resistance about? Let's come because it may it'll probably be helpful. Yeah. Right. It's people thinking that their concerns aren't going to be met, so they resist. Mm-hmm. Right. That I mean, if you think about it. And so, how can this resistance, like surrender to the resistance? If I resist the resistance, then I'm just going to elevate the resistance yeah so a lot of a lot of ways to do that is just to find out what people mean when they say what they say the cynic he's going to use a number of different labels i want to understand what he means so i'm going to ask questions to get into the details of his thinking so i can hear get side by side with him and open up other possibility because people in my opinion don't want to be interpreted they want to be understood Mm -hmm. and so if i can listen in a way that he gets, I or she gets, I understand them. Now I've got a new opening between us. Uh-huh. Now I can, in, I can invite another possibility that because they heard, I heard them. They're probably going to have room to hear me. Yeah. And I don't, and, and the thing is, I've got to hear them and they'll let me know when I've heard them. That's the key. And then that that once that happens, then usually if if a group, group's listening and I can hear one person, other people relax because they see there's a listening going on in the meeting. There, somebody cares enough to hear what's going on. That brings other people to the meeting. Yeah. So are you saying, Dan, that leading a meeting does not mean broadcasting a meeting? <laughs> I've been teaching myself this lesson for a long time. <laughs> I'm a recovering podcaster. Yeah, I mean, I I fall into that. Like when I'm leading a meeting, how how often do I fall into this idea that I'm like performing and I'm like yeah. up here and I've got to I'm running this meeting and I got to keep it exciting and I got to keep it entertaining, but I got to get all the shit done and you know and and it's all me and it's nothing. Like the, the 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 listening turns off, the broadcasting turns on, and then I miss people. And you get the corporate nod. He doesn't yep. know what he's talking about. <laughs> I love that. Do you see that meme on Facebook? It's this gal talking like, you know, this is the time when we're, you know, we need to be together and stay. And she's got these signs. He's in the other room listening to every everything I say, you know. And she's saying one thing and she's sounding all up and th- she's pulling these things about it's killer that that's the corporate nod you know it's yeah like, sure he doesn't know what he's talking about mm-hmm. no i'm not going to yeah. yeah 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 or he doesn't give a shit where i'm at yeah he's just telling me you know yep. so. yeah but i think you know when you get excited about something and i think this is a key too is realizing that people aren't where you are necessarily they might not be excited because they don't see how what you're proposing is going to line up with what they're committed to or concerned about. That's right. So. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I put a lot of responsibility on leaders. Um, at least I want to call leaders into responsibility. And I just want to point out every time, you know, we're communicating about something and somebody's checked out, first off, 
they probably know they're checked out. And, and if, and they probably know that, you know, they're checked out. And if you know, they're checked out and they know they're checked out and then you could just move on past it, you're training people to be checked out. Uh, yeah. Like every time you don't have a conversation, you're letting them know it's cool. No uh, problem. We'll just yeah. fake this meeting. You yeah. Know? Or if like somebody is like, um, you know, you bring something up and somebody gets fired up and you like, in order to keep the meeting going, this happens all the time, right? Well, let's keep going. I get that. Let's keep going and, and, and not talk about there are fruit to that attitude that happened in the meeting that you're saying, cool, I'll take, you know, you're, when, we, when I bring up a client and let's say the person acts like or goes off about how wrong the client is, um, like, you know, like I'm thinking about, anyway, a specific company in my head, they, they've got a client that they don't like and they know they don't like it and they've already got lots of experience with the person. And so when you bring up the client, they talk about how crazy they are and all this type of thing. Um, and you just move past it to try to save the meeting from the attitude instead of dealing with the attitude. You're letting them know that attitude's cool later as well. It's cool here among all the leaders and it's cool there. And, and you're telling the other leaders are getting that too. That's yeah. right. So you're always, my, my point is like you're always training people and what works, right? Like, because culture is always a set of agreements. So if I, if I am allowing something without putting language to it, without like, you know, confronting it, or at least, putting, I mean, if you put language to something, like, for example, if someone comes on all fired up or all judgmental, if, even if you just said, wow, it seems like you really don't like that person. If you just say that, they're going to now respond to that. Right. And now you get to deal with their relationship. More information. More, yeah, more information. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I just calling leaders into responsibility during a meeting because I think it's what, because a lot of times leaders are checked out during the meeting, they just want to survive the meeting and get it over with because they don't want to be there either. They haven't decided to want to be there. Um, you end up, you end up doubling down, you know. Uh, on behavior that you will judge them for later, but you didn't bring it up in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And those, those survival tactics to survive the meeting for me personally, I don't always consciously recognize what I'm doing to survive the meeting. And so that puts a, that puts a bookmark on it. It put it, it you know, dog ears is that page and says, well, wait a second. What's going That sounds like you got some beef. <laughs> like, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Or at least let's, I recognize that you have that, you know, we need whatever, here's how we want to have conversations about clients. Let's talk about what you've got going on on the sidelines. Yeah. And, and I want to emphasize because some people say, well, we don't have time to talk about all that. Well, you may not do that in the main meeting. You may just identify it in the main meeting. And yeah. then, you, then you can request a time with that person to really vet it so that, because then the, when they come back, they'll be in a different place and they'll be ready to contribute. I mean, it may be a distraction to that meeting, but it yep. may be valuable to find out in that meeting about other, because that's my work. Your work is to move the ball down the field. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. if you have a meeting that doesn't produce results, then, you know, and that's one of the things I, I like, like what results will we see out of this meeting? That's another question to ask. Like if this meeting worked, what will happen before the next meeting. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dan, you said your job is to move the ball down the field as if you're the coach, right? But right. if you've got a wide receiver who doesn't want to move the ball down the, the field because he's got, he doesn't like his QB or whatever. Yeah. You, well, he might have to sit on the bench and put another one in. And then we have a special meeting with him. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, I, and you know, we're, we're nearing kind of the end of our time. I definitely want to talk about how do we, um, you know, what's, how do we cement everything? Cause a, a lot of times a meeting looks like a lot of ideas, a lot of commitments are made. Even if it's a 45 half hour, 45 minute meeting, a lot of people are like, yeah, I got that. I got that. Or will you do this? Will you do that? Or here's this idea. What do we do at the end of the meeting? to cement all of that? How do we, how do we interact with each other to make commitments and be clear on those? Well, like we, we do in our meetings, we have someone like Bethany or, you know, somebody take notes and then the notes get posted and you can see what the promises are. And then I've gone back to those notes numerous times to make sure I'm covering what I promised. Right. And 
and then I could look at how to support Adrian or you or, you know, like we can see each other what we committed to. And that works. And if it's not what you think it ought to be, then you can always edit them or say, no, I didn't say that. I meant this. Mm-hmm. And so, but always and then, and then in the meeting itself, knowing who's going to drive what. So if we come up with a new idea and it's going to needs to get done, well, who's going to drive it? Who's going to be responsible for getting whatever needs to get done by whatever time? And, and that's important to know, because if there's not a name on it, it's probably not going to get done. Yeah. 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 Uh, mine is who, what, by when. Yeah. And who, what, yeah, how many, by when. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many. And to, for me, when I speak up in a meeting, I've, I've gotten to the point where I naturally go there. Oh, I'll do that. I'll have something ready by this time or something to you by this time. But we're on our team, especially, and, and I, I've been able to create this culture other places is, if other people hear a commitment made or a, or a or a volunteer to drive something but it's not followed by a by when or yeah. what or how many you know that's they'll they're the first to jump in or or they'll all jump in and say hey by when when will yeah. we have that yep that'll keep things going yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean there's usually because you know, a lot, of, I think, listen, most of us don't want to be bothered and that's fine. Uh, but there are prices to be paid for that. Um, and, and, and we've talked about this dynamic a lot of times where we don't, we, we aren't willing to treat others how they need to be treated. So let me, by that, I mean, um, you know, there are naturally, they're naturally really execution oriented type people and they're naturally more idea oriented type people. There's like a million ways we could describe that. But if somebody's like an idea oriented or inspiration oriented type person, they're probably going to need you to support them and getting clear on what the execution looks like. That's the what and then by when. And if if the vision matters, we'll do that. We'll actually hold that space for them and then ask them about it. Most of us don't. Most people decide not to like quote unquote confrontation um, and therefore they don't want a commitment because then if they break the commitment, then you got to talk about it. But if you get like a what by when, oh great, you're going to get by Tuesday, you know, into business on Tuesday, into business being maybe let's say five o'clock. Um, and then on Wednesday morning, if it's not there, you can just say, hey, where's the thing? Yeah. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a moral thing. Most people put results in a moral category versus just a, Oh, it happened or didn't happen. Let me go see what, let me go. Let me go see what was in the way. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we still need the thing, you know? So because most teams don't account um, objectively, they object, they count subjectively. Like it's about the person. Um, but that's why I think people usually don't get commitments because they don't want the quote unquote stress of following up on the commitments. But or they, they account for process and not outcome. Mm-hmm. What like, do you mean? You get a lot of people, do, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. And they may be doing it, but is it producing the outcome that you promised? You're right. And that's that's why to, to press towards the outcome and then work back, right? And I, I've heard many, you know, I've done it myself where I'm just accounting for what I'm doing versus what I've actually produced up until that point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that comes back to the story you tell Dan about your uh, about your grandpa hiring you to keep the grass green or yeah. to make the grass green. It's a great story. Sorry, um, <laughs> and I, this next one that I put in the outline that I wanted to bring up as we end meetings, um, and this can be done in a multiple in, in multiple ways. And and I have I'll be the first to admit that I I rarely do this. Um, but I see so much value in it is asking for feedback about the meeting and about how we're coming together as a team. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's working, what's not working, what's wanted and needed again. Um, so that we can, you know, we can really connect with the, the characters that are showing up at the table. So post meeting, now we've all made our commitments. We've left the room. Uh, I think a typical way of leaving the room is like, Oh, made it through that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there can be a different way, um, you know, knowing 
especially accountability, if there's a system for accountability of the commitments that you've made, knowing that you're going to be held accountable for the, the commitments that you made, I think makes a big difference in A, what you're willing to commit to, and B, how you interact with that commitment once you leave the room. Like you can't really like fake that, right? Right. You can't, you can't fake, fake your results. can't fake an outcome. Yeah. Yeah, you can fake your show up at the meeting. Like you can act interested, you can act all of these things, but you can't fake the actual outcome of the commitment you made. Well, and what's interesting is along the way, if I'm falling down, I can reach out and make requests. So if somebody's not right. making a request, then it opens up a great opportunity to to talk about what a resource other players are and get into those conversations. You know, there's a whole network of conversations in there that are preventing that person from seeing other people as a resource. Maybe they feel like they would be stupid asking for help. That's very common or somehow mm -hmm. they'd be competent or not respected mm -hmm. versus, you know, bringing resources that can support you and bringing forth what you're committed to and help and basically contributing to the vision. Right. And yeah. that's, that's an important conversation because if the culture is punitive, they're pro people are going to probably always want to look good and they're not going to be wanting to say, you know, this isn't working for me or I need this help here. I need these resources. Right. It's an, it's a big deal. And being able to have those kinds of conversations, because sometimes people need to think out loud to find out that's what's going on for them. So having the space as Adrian said earlier, to be soft on the person and hard on the problem gives them some room to think through what they really do need and want, right? Yeah. So that's post-meeting. I mean, you know, it's like in the next meeting, if you're talking and these things didn't get done, then you know that's missing. So you might as well have that conversation either privately or collectively about what was between like what resources were available that we not see and what was between us and seeing them, right? What, again, we're talking about different forms of resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Eileen is such, such a master at this yeah. when something doesn't, when something doesn't get done and we're having a postmortem on it and we're, we're talking about what worked and what didn't work. And I have all these excuses about why I didn't do this thing. And she said, well, do you, she always says, well, did you ask me for help? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I didn't even think about it. I get there. I mean, that's an excuse for me to not show up and, you know, not use the resources that are available to me. But really, I mean, that's, it's so powerful to understand the resources that we have available to us when we make these commitments and, and, you know, the, the breakdown can be caught so much sooner than the next meeting. Uh, if we're willing to know where our resources are and ask and reach out for help. Well, I mean, it's a, it, it's an expression of abundance and humility. I mean, mm -hmm. because you've got it around you, humility, because you're willing to submit yourself with a request, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and I was just thinking like, you know, how you follow up from a meeting kind of sets up the next meeting, right? So, you know, even the simple question of, hey, was that, was that meeting useful for you? That question is loaded in such a way, it actually it, it invites the next meeting because it's like you're asking them not only, not like, how was the meeting? Yeah. Because that's probably going to be a psychological response. Was the meeting useful for you? Like, are you able to use, utilize what happened in the meeting in order to get done what you want to get done? And if the answer is, you know, who knows what that answer is going to be. If it's off at all, that's great. Now they know how to utilize the next meeting. Mm -hmm. like be of use, like make the meeting of use. Yeah. yeah. Or That's what would you needed to make it useful? That's right. That's what, right. What do you think you need? Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, and then if you're just, if you're the leader, you're just asking these questions and that then now there's a, now, now there's a new conversation. Are you Price, guys me I should be asking these questions. I haven't been asking them. You've not been asking them, Dan. No, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, the, but the, the point there is, you know, it's like you don't have I think a lot of times leaders don't want to ask because they don't want they, they, they get too much on their plate already and they don't want more things on their plate. But if you're asking the person, was the meeting useful for them or did they get what they needed from the meeting? It's up to them to go get it next time. You know, yeah. they might say, hey, can you and you say, no, can you bring that up next time? Can you put that on the agenda? 
Can you make that request of that person? If they've got a complaint about someone else in the meeting, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Tom, great. Can you talk to Tom about that? You know, you don't have to, you don't have to, as the leader, you don't have to carry all this stuff. You're actually inviting them into responsibility for their own experience. And that for them, you're inviting them to go get what they need to get the job done. Yeah. That's powerful. Good yeah. Stuff, man. So powerful. Awesome. This has been fantastic. I was skeptical about our ability to get through all this. And I, I, I think we've done, a, I, I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. What did it work for you? It worked for me. Did it work for you, gentlemen? Yeah, this is great. <laughs> No, the big question is, does it work holistic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll take the feedback. Yes, sir. Was it good for you? That's <laughs> the question. <laughs> We're going to write a book on meetings and it's going to be titled, Was it good for you? Was it good for you? That'd be great. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Thanks so much for your time today. Awesome. Thanks, thanks Chad. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. Also, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast with the people in your life that are looking for a new way to lead and to relate to others. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Mm -hmm.